You have songs stuck in your head? Well, it's not a song. I have fame, the original. I mean, it is a song. I mean, yes, but like the actual, like the scene, like I want to rewatch it. <laughs> fame was one of my favorite shows growing up. You know, I studied dance for like 20 years of my life and fame was everything. And I just, been it was movie. a great show. It was like, I want to rewatch it, but I'm like, is it streaming somewhere? I've got to find it. I need it to might like, be. scratch that itch as soon as I can. So. That is something I haven't thought about since probably 1999. Yeah. And at like the other day I was driving home and I don't know why I thought about it, but I thought about um, Dwayne the Wayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that show? Yep. Oh my God. I don't know where that. Ha- I, I'm going to tippy tappy and you're going to get mad at me. But anyway, look, we don't, we don't, we don't need to talk about nineties television shows. Do we? Are you talking about a different world? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a good show. Good. All the, the different world. world. One, that was a good show. Best. It was a fantastic show. And, and I don't think they make shows like that anymore. Oh man, they don't. Oh, let me just say this. Shout out to the creators of Harlem on Amazon Prime. I just watched mm-hmm. that. I binged it. What, the other day? Ah, the joy. The joy that it brought me. It was amazing. All those ladies, fantastic. Shout out to you all. You blew my mind. I love that show so much. Please. I'm still trying to get two. through. I'm still trying to get through um, Wheel of Time. Oh, but everyone's going to be scared. I watched the first two episodes. I was like, I'm okay with this. This is fine. It's different, but it's fine. I'm enjoying it. And then everybody's been putting out these like terrifying looking videos. They're like, let's talk about Wheel of Time and how it's a disappointment. And I'm like, well, <sighs> here's here's how I feel about it. I watched I'm it scared. Don't be scared. I, I finished it. I finished it last week. And I I have to look at it with two sets of eyes right i'm looking at it just as a show as if i never even knew there were a book series mm-hmm. and then there's the other lens of i read three of the books and based mm-hmm. on those three books this is how i feel about what i've just watched mm-hmm. as a standalone show without any knowledge that there's even a book series attached to it it's fairly good i'm confused about a lot of things because a lot of things <laughs> aren't explained but like yes. overall it's okay you know what i mean the writing is not fantastic the casting's okay. The wardrobe isn't even great. Right. It's like this weird mix of J.C. Penny and like medieval clothes. <laughs> it's very strange. Did you say a strange mix of J.C. Penny and medieval? <laughs> I did. There's one scene where Nynaeve or whoever it is, or it's not Nynaeve, it's oh, Egwene is sitting there and she's literally wearing like something that's aligned in polar fleece. Like, I think it's supposed to be Sherpa, but it's like a hundred percent like an old Navy fucking vest. That's like it's not, so it's funny. not real. It's so weird to me. Like, I'm sure they had a good budget. Like, I yeah, know. I, you know, I, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's not terrible. But it's not great either. I have heard, and and from the first two episodes, I can see that it's a lot more centered around Morgane as the as the than kind of the main character. Yeah, and I kind of like that because um, she's a freaking badass, she especially is. in the show. She, especially she is. in the show. She so. is. But I don't know. I you know I understand why these networks are loving these eight to ten episode seasons. But I'm telling you, for some stuff like Will of Time, it's incredibly too short. But they're 800 page books and that's actually, isn't that not book one? Isn't that like kind of a combo of at least a couple books? Yeah. And it feels like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the pacing is not great. Because like even with Game of Thrones, that was book one. Season one was book one, right? Right. I believe so. I mean, it felt like it was. That's the only season I've watched in its entirety. Oh, so I've watched that show in its entirety. I know you've watched it a so, thousand times. Because I, love I do have it. to get back to it's that so series this year. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I was hoping, and I guess everyone reading, else was too. not watching. Everyone was hoping that The Wood on Time would be like as great as Game of Thrones. It's not. It's not. It's not. But, but I don't even are. know if the books themselves are as good as Game of Thrones to a modern reader. Oh, I see. I don't know because I I have not read the uh, Storm of what is it? What's the actual title? 
of the series? Uh, a Song of Ice and Fire? Yes. I have not read that series, so I cannot say. So, like, I feel like it's a lot more grimdark than epic fantasy, and I feel like that is more generally, I don't know. Yeah, because Water Time is uh, not grimdark. Water Time is just attractive yeah. to a modern audience than perhaps just like a regular old epic fantasy is. Yeah, because Water Time is just that. It is epic fantasy. It is not grimdark like the Song of Ice and Fire series. By the way, I just want to point out that we've gone down one hell of a tangent because of me. Oh, this is right. nothing to do with what we're here to talk about today. But it's other than but the fact it that it, it is books. It's books. There so are books. This is this is how yeah. this is called the intro, folks. Welcome. This is the intro where it's just a grab bag of crap that comes out of my brain and, and my <laughs> mouth. I mean, you yeah. know, you know, this is this is the uh, what do you call it? This is the water cooler talk, right? you know i was listening to somebody's intro and it's so organized and like wonderful and they're like they have their like soft little podcaster voices on they're like on today's episode we're gonna discuss la 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 and they're like hey susan susan what are you reading today oh well candace i have (laughs) it's not our podcast that's not us that's not us (laughs) What you get in this podcast, this is how we are in our, you know, off the podcast friendship. This is how it is. This is is. how we chat. It is. Yeah. Welcome to our friendship in a podcast. (laughs) Welcome. So um, that that's that's my take on the will of time. That's that's how I feel about it. I am excited for season two. I, want to I see will what they refresh do. when I finally finish. I will get the balls to get there eventually. I promise. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. So that's <laughs> it, folks. Yeah. If People you're watching me. the show, Will of Time, let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. Did you, and let us know if you finished the entire Will of Time series or if you just finished up to book three to watch season one of the show. Yeah, because you're now in front of me. I haven't even started book four, but yeah, I will. But you'll catch up fast because you read that book in bigger <laughs> chunks than I do. I just do 50 to 100 pages a day and then I'm going yeah. to another book. Well, I can also listen and not read along with oh, that I, one. So. Yeah, it's harder for me. Well, now that I know what the hell's going on, I the first book was way harder. Yeah. But now I kind of know who everybody is and I got a sense of everybody's names because everybody has a weird freaking name because yeah. it's fantasy. So now that I know who everybody is, it's a little easier. Yeah. And I'm... They always add new people, but it's much easier now to add people than That's to start true. with not knowing anybody. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Candace, what are we here to talk about today? Well, Susan... <laughs> no... <laughs> Those are not our names for anyone just listening for the first time. <laughs> Those are not our names. I am Naomi, Book Lady Reads. She is Alyssa, Nerdy Nurse Reads. <laughs> but if we pissed you off, we're Candace and Susan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. What have you been reading lately? Or what have you recently finished? What have I recently finished? Or what are you um, currently reading? Well, I finished uh, Wahala by Nikki May, which I believe is actually a debut. And for anybody watching the video, it is a beautiful book. It really is. And it's out on January 11th, which which means it's already out when you guys are listening to this. And it is this really great thriller. And it's about these three friends that are all mixed race and from, oh my God, what is wrong with my brain? Nigeria. And... They are now living in the UK. They mm-hmm. each have like different relationships with their father. And then the one woman has this friend that she grew up with from Nigeria who's like really, really from a very wealthy family, like crazy wealthy family, like corrupt government oh. can erase anything family who oh. just kind of pops back into her life and things start to just become trouble from there. The three, like two of the women are married. One of them is... The, the one that pops back up is divorced and then the other one is dating somebody and you go through this it's got these sex in the city vibes with these three friends kind of talking about their love lives their dating lives their woes their like things going through their careers etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's got the thriller aspect because this other woman comes in and you're like D- I don't trust her and it's it's just it's so it, it is compulsively readable I think somebody says that mm. um 
on here. It says unputdownable. Yeah, it's compulsively readable. You just keep reading it because you're like, what is this bitch going to do? What is she going to do? And um, yeah, it's crazy. It takes lots of twists and turns. There's a lot of food. And I love a good book that has food in it. It makes me hungry. And um, Mm. yeah, weirdly specific book recommendations. Books with food. This. Wahala. (laughs) Last night at the Telegraph Club. That one also has a lot of food that will make you hungry. Yeah. Um, try, I'll try to think of a few randomly throughout. But yeah, no, read it. Uh, it's out now. It's really, really good. And you will enjoy it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Is that it? Just one? That's it. All right. Well, uh, y- yes, because. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't want to. Oh, I mean, I have many more, but I can't. I can't let's deep brevity. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to share a book that I finished, I think, on the very 1st of January. It's a book that I started in December. And if you remember some podcast episodes back, I was talking about my slight obsession with Jackie Collins and wanting to read her for the first time because she's so prolific in her writing, well, you know, when she was alive in her heyday. And I was trying to figure out what is it about this woman that had people like clamoring to get their hands on every single book she ever put out. So I started with one of her I don't know if she has a, a lot of series, but I started with her Lucky Santangelo series, okay? And I read book one called Chances. Okay, y'all. <laughs> I really wish you had done a reading vlog for this. I really should have. First of all, this book, it made me a little uncomfortable at the start because they used the N-word a lot. And I was very thrown off. I was like, Jackie, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. And then she had... The writing's terrible. Let me just say that. The writing's absolutely terrible. There's this one scene where this pimp is like talking to one of his new hookers or whatever. And she's like, what are you going to do, black man? And I was like, Jackie Collins, what is happening here? I can't explain the absurdity in this book, but it's the absurdity that kept me reading. This book is addictive. You've got Lucky Santangelo. She's the daughter of Gino Santangelo, Gino the Ram because he banged a lot of chicks in the day. Not my words. I'm just saying. And he's all hooked up with the mob, and he's a messy guy. He's in all these various businesses. Some legit, some not so legit, and he's a whole mess. And essentially, what if I tell... It doesn't matter. This book's old. Essentially, he has to leave the country because of a tax issue. And so, lucky the daughter steps in and kind of like starts running everything, and the story goes from there. But... This book is absurd. It is like, it is everything about a soap opera that I miss and love. And I enjoy reading this mess of a book from beginning to end. But it did throw me in the beginning with all of that language. I'm going to tell you that every time we she would give me a reading update, because we pretty much give each other reading updates every day, all day. And she would just be like, Alyssa, the writing is absolutely terrible. But I just can't. <laughs> Stop! I I, I had to know what was happening next. You know? Is Lucky going to hook up with Marco? What's going on? I just... I had to know. And then there's there's queerness in this book. Oh, there is? Yes, there is. Jackie was progressive. Yes, there is. There sure is. So... Um, Look at that. Grandma was reading some spicy stuff, man. So one of my... December book hauls when I was at the thrift store, no, at McKay, I found five books in this Lucky Santangelo series. And so when I was done with this one, I was like, well, holy hell, I need to read book two, like right now. But I didn't have book two, so I had to order it right away. So Do you have them all now? I almost have them all. I think I have six out of the eight. The other two are really hard to track down at a good price, I should say. Oh, are they the later ones in the series? Yeah, but they've been like refreshed, and so I can't find the old ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I've got some time, but if you give me the titles or put them in our thing, I there's will. always a Jackie Collins ooh, in the I book bar, and Daniel Steele. <laughs> oh, and if you remember, one of our episodes. Oh, it was the interview with Rachel Houser Hall. She was talking about how she loves this Lucky Santangelo, Jackie Collins series. So. Rachel, I read book one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that is all. That is all we're reading. That is what we're reading. But what is the point of this video? Video? Edit? Episode? Episode, yeah. So Sorry, I've I've been huffing paint thinner all day, so (laughs) I've been working working on on projects. 
I'm not yeah. just getting high. I promise I'm working on projects. What kind of projects? Well, I'm a little brain dead. Because somebody for some didn't wear their what? My mask. Mm. <laughs> Naomi, I wear a mask all day. I'm tired. I know. I know. I thought the door being open would be enough. It was not. It was not. It was not. It was not so. ventilated enough. My eyeballs are burning. So, anyway. <laughs> oh my God. So forgive her. Yes. Today we're going to be discussing our final book club pick of 2021 which was Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby booyah for those who can see the video we're holding up the book yes so for you this was your first read of S.A. Cosby correct correct and I don't think that I I don't know what um Black Top Wasteland that's the other book that I have right that's the one that I've I read I don't know what that one is like, but I wasn't expecting, I think I was expecting more of just like a thriller and not such a violent book, I guess. And none of that is a negative, um, but it was just like, oh, okay. All right. We're going there. All right. I'm here. I'm so, here with it. So I have a question because I never thought this was a thriller, but I keep hearing people reference it as a thriller. Is that how it's being marketed? I think so, or at least that's how the people who don't like it or weren't as impressed by it. We had this conversation on the side um, that I had seen a couple of booktubers be like, oh, this just didn't live up to the hype. And well, we're sorry that y'all don't want to give these black authors a try. And it's not Riley Sager. <laughs> I'm sick of y'all with this nonsense. I'm so sick of y'all. Hey! I'm sick of y'all. Every time it's a black author doing something, y'all are like, oh, I didn't understand it. Oh, I didn't like it. Oh, I didn't. You but I don't understand what there is there is to not understand with this book. Like, that's what I'm not getting. Like, I just, this was more of like a family It was totally story, a family story. A more of like a contemporary just fiction then I thought it was a thriller and I went into it thinking it was a thriller based on things that I had, I guess, digested from, you know, being in this little social media space and yeah. seeing people talk about things. And no, this book is fantastic. This book hits so many things that you and I have talked about on this podcast just yep. here and there about, oh, what the hell does it mean to be black and gay? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and the th themes of this book, I mean, you got redemption, revenge, love mm -hmm. acceptance forgiveness like family deception so so many so many things you don't relate to any of this stuff no what does it mean to, what does it mean to be a convict what does it mean to be an ex-con what does it mean to be poor what does it mean to be southern what does it mean to be religious and like there's so just much in this Ooh, I'm hitting my mic in this tiny little book. It's not a big book. It's not. It's a tiny it's, little book. What is it? It's um, so much packed in here. A little over 300 pages. I mm -hmm. read this in a day because this is the kind of book where you're like, okay, page turn, page turn. You just, mm -hmm. it's that kind of a book. And um, it's, I, I, I really loved it. And, you know, Virginia. So, yeah. So, I do have a question for you about Virginia in a second. But um, I will say that if you have been, if you were somebody that read Razorblade Tears and was like, I just don't get it, or had anything like of negativeness to say about it, or just not as positive on it right. as maybe you could have been. In, but you're also seeing all these posts and commentary and interviews with Little Nas X talking about what he's doing for being a gay black man and how unapologetic he is about it and the things that he is saying. And you cheer that on, then you've missed the plot with this entire book, yeah. I think. And the struggle that it, the people have just one being queer and two being queer and in different pockets of society because we they face unique challenges it's yes. not there's not one narrative of queerness absolutely and there are struggles for each narrative and this very nicely does that because the fathers are different yeah from completely different backgrounds the only thing they really have in common is being ex-cons and it. having gay sons that's really all they have that's it that's it really ties them together and I guess being from Virginia, but mm -hmm. like, um, yeah. And, and they, anyway, do you want to give a little summary of what this is before we talk about it? There will be spoilers, I'm assuming. So, so buckle up buttercups and uh, yeah. So, uh, so let me get the other guy. Okay. So essentially Ike Randolph and Buddy Lee 
two fathers of sons who were married. Uh, mm-hmm. Their sons were murdered, and these two fathers... Quite violently. Violently. Quite violently. These two fathers uh, decide, not immediately, but decide to basically revenge their sons' deaths. Yeah. And that is what we are dealing with in And that sets up the, the yeah. whole story. Yeah. And it becomes quite the journey. Like, they are going here, there, and everywhere, and along the way, these two men... Are, you can see them working through their own prejudices that they've oh, yeah. been holding onto, their own issues with each other, um, their issues uh, over like just race relations, I guess, mm-hmm. it, yeah. if you want to put it that way. Because, you know, they're kind of, Ike's always kind of being like, buddy, you can't freaking say that. <laughs> like, right. And, um, yeah. And they were and, in very different financial circumstances. You know, Buddy was yeah. kind of struggling and um, Ike had his own uh, what business. lawn care uh, business and was doing quite well for, for himself and his family and um, still married. But uh, Buddy mm-hmm. Lee was divorced. But I don't know if I want to go down that road right now, but we'll talk about the marriage, but that marriage later. But to start with... Um, I want to know overall what you thought about the book. Like, what 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 do you rate it? What, what was your overall? I am going to cheap out. <laughs> uh, I'm giving it four and a half stars because there was one thing that was bothering me a little bit. There was something about some of the description that irritated me every so often that it was a little telly and not showy. And mm-hmm. it would come up every so often and it would just bug me the tiniest bit okay but then he then something would happen more action like and i would be like i forget about this so four and a half stars okay all right i'm, I'm, I'm being nitpicky i'm trying to be better this year and not just give everything five stars because i enjoyed it <laughs> i gave it five stars and i'm gonna tell you why first of all it was a very surprising story for me because some of the things that were revealed later on in the book i was like oh mm-hmm. well i did not see that coming at all mm-hmm. and i thought it was handled pretty well second mm-hmm. uh virginia so many references. It just made me feel at home, and I really enjoyed it. Thirdly, is because I could see this being adapted into a yes. movie. Yes, I already know what you're saying. Yes, like, 100%. This book is so cinematic. I mean, mm-hmm. somebody, if they are not already in a bidding war over this book, what, what are y'all thinking, Hollywood? I don't know. What are y'all thinking? Where, this where's, is where's a, this where's Jordy? Doesn't he doesn't he acquire things for Netflix? Yo, yes. Jordy. <laughs> where, like, where, where are you people you, he's listening you, to this yo Jordy where are the Hulu and the Amazon Prime and the I don't know frick, name a network people you all should be clamoring to get your get the rights to this book so I have you ever watched because of that have you ever watched Luther uh, hell yes it kind of for some reason it just reminded me of Luther like Ike and his like he's messed up and has like anger issues but he's definitely has also kind of a good heart in there and Although, there was luther's so much dirtier and grittier yes and but i had way more effed up i, I guess yes. maybe like stage one of luther but i kept like thinking of luther yeah. when i was reading this i was like oh yeah and i yeah. think that was part of the you could definitely make this into a show like oh there is gosh. an audience that is going to read it mm-hmm. um Speaking oh, yeah. of Virginia, my question for you is: I know that you are not from the Richmond area. No. However, it's like does minutes away. Does it read to you like Virginia? Do you feel Virginia? Does it did it did it feel true to life while you were reading it? Uh, yeah, a good part of it does. You know, good. It's it's yeah. it's it's pretty damn southern. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty damn. Southern. It is pretty damn southern. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I, I just I just loved all the. Virginia references it made me feel at home usually I don't get a lot of Virginia references usually I get every so often a book about LA which is where I grew up Mm -hmm. Um, but very few times do I read a book and it's Virginia centered yeah I'm spoiled everything ends up being about where I'm from yeah no yeah yeah well let's get so I I understand that because I like I pretty much rate everything that's set in New York five stars. So I get, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's yeah. what happens. So I, I, I how do you want to structure this? Because I have just my regular mess of thoughts. Well, I want to go. Um, I want to talk about what is this part here? Because I want to talk about the barbershop. That is the one scene I really want to talk about. Oh, that's f- further into the book, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
give me your page. Um. Oh, okay. Hang on. Can we go to page seven? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like at 150, and you're like seven. Yes, we can go to seven. What would you like to talk about on page seven? So it was a part where Buddy Lee was talking to Ike, and he was, um, and he was sharing with him that time that he caught Derek kissing another boy, mm-hmm. and uh, the things that he said to him, and. This is the first part in the book that actually made me tear up and Mm -hmm. um, just made me feel incredibly sad. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of it. He says, when he was 14, I caught Derek kissing another boy down by the creek in the woods behind our trailer. Took off my belt and beat him like a runaway, like he stole something. I called him names, told him he was a pervert. I whooped him till his legs was covered with welts. He cried and cried, saying he was sorry. He didn't know why he was like that. You never got into it. With your boy like that? Never? I don't know. Maybe you was a better than I was, Buddy Lee said. I adjusted his jaw. That just, it just, it was like a gut punch. They there- had many exchanges that were throughout where they're exploring the terrible things that they said and did to their sons. And having to deal with that. Because there's... You know, the barbershop's well, around 180, so we can put okay. this in wherever you want. So, you know, what? these two fathers, they've got these sons that are gay, and men mm-hmm. like this don't want gay sons. They have different ideals about how and what they want their sons to be. And I just can't imagine being in that situation and being so unkind to your sons to the point where, because mm-hmm. it seems like the sons not really cut them off per se, but there wasn't that there wasn't that closeness that could have been there had there been more yes. understanding from the fathers. But then having your sons brutally murder in the way they were, knowing that at that time of their life ending, their sons knew that they weren't on board with their lifestyle. Yep. And, and how that causes just, a chasm. Yeah. Exactly. How do you how do you wrap your head around that? You know, because it's it's too late. You know, mm-hmm. there's no more saying I'm sorry. There's there's not a going back and saying I accept you. There, there's nothing. There's nothing, and that part just was like, man, that's just that's mm-hmm. a that's a very broken feeling. It is. Um. And I mean, and I think this is why I'm jumping forward. I think that that scene in the barber shop just really shows how deeply ingrained, especially in like black, I guess, particularly Southern culture, um, there is this homophobia that's ingrained and it's mixed with a lot of, I guess, religiosity and all kinds of other things. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's bad. I mean, he's he walks into this barber shop to kind of shake down, uh, or go see somebody in the back room or something like that. Yeah. Wait, what's the page again? Uh, about one eighty five. Okay, because I have something marked on one ninety one that kind of made my little eye twitch. Yeah. Okay. And they're just kind of all you know. It's the barber shop. People are shooting the shit. Yeah. And they're talking smack and all this stuff. And it says white folks love seeing black men in dresses. The whole thing about feminizing us, making us weak. Oh, you don't think they want our women, quote, unquote, independent and our men weak and gay. That's how they keep us in line. It ain't paranoia if it's true, Lavelle. And this kind of banter goes back and forth for a while. And Ike has this moment where he just kind of starts to reflect on all the things that are going on around him and the words that are being said. And he does step in um, at some point and and confronts at least one of the gentlemen in this barbershop. But he has this internal monologue. Um, 186 where he says the agile banter the casual camaraderie the give and take of friendly insults and jabs it was all a part of the character and culture of the barbershop many times he thought it of it as the last place you didn't have to apologize for being a black man this conversation showed him that showed him that there was another side to the barbershop a side he had always known was there but had dismissed it could be a place of circular logic where obtuse thinking was confirmed and reinforced by a pervasive group think yeah. So it's a, a, the struggle of, of having a different thought than the norm Yeah, um, is difficult when everybody around you is just reinforcing those beliefs. And, you know, nobody wants to be on the outside of their group. Of course right? not. Of course not. 
especially especially in the black community, and especially mm-hmm. if you are a part of the black community and the black church, which shames, mm-hmm. you know, queerness so heavily. So much. So it's much. It's just yeah. so much to the point that you will put yourself on track to live a lie. Meaning, you know, you're queer, but you decide to live a, you know, heteronormative life. And um, I think that's heartbreaking on another level. So this part, this part on 191 just gave me like a little eye flinch. And I think this is when he was talking to Slice when they were like discussing like how um, he basically took a took the rapper for something his brother did or whatever. And mm-hmm. he didn't take care of Slice and his family didn't take care of Ike's family and his son while he was in, in jail or whatever. And yeah. uh, Lan- um, Ike says, they shot him six times, let him let him and his friend up. And I was like, ooh, even now you still can't say husband. Mm-hmm. That part just like, ugh, like even now it's like, because yeah. what I noticed was Buddy Lee had already come to the point where he accepted where his son was with his lifestyle. And yes, Ike was he has still a... struggling with it, almost to the very Ike end. Ike really struggled for a long time with that. There is a scene between Buddy Lee and his ex-wife where, um, let me find it, and it's a little before this, where he... Oh, gosh, where is it? Didn't um, they have a lot of tension, Ike and his wife? They did. Yeah. I feel like she really messed up with her choices, and she got really excited about the flash and the razzle-dazzle, but um, we can go into more depth with that terrible relationship. Um, oh, my gosh, where is it? But basically, like, he's saying that, you know, he, the, their their son wasn't abhorrent he wasn't okay uh yeah he says to chrissy his ex-wife um we both made a lot of mistakes with him he wasn't abhorrent he wasn't sacrilegious he was just derek that should have been enough for both of us yeah yeah and i feel like buddy lee comes to terms with these things a lot faster than it takes ikes to get there yeah he does it it almost yeah it it almost seemed like perhaps he had come to that maybe shortly before their sons were murdered or shortly after. But he yeah. definitely had already wrapped his head around it. Yeah. Um, and Ike was just having still such a hard time. And it, and it sounds like Ike's wife, is her name Maya? Uh, I can't remember, but she is a ride or die bitch, man. Yeah. She was, yeah, Maya, she is wonderful. I love yeah. her. Yeah, so of course it sounds like she was fully supportive of her, of her son right out of the gate. Yeah. And there's a part in the beginning... I think I marked it. There's a part in the beginning between Ike and his wife. Oh, okay, yes. And this is on page nine. And they're talking, which sounds like they're getting ready to get into an argument. And and he says, I loved him. I did just as much as you. And then she says, really? Where was this love when he was getting picked on morning, noon, and night in school? Oh, that's right. You were locked up. So there's also this thing in this book about being a married single mother, right? You're mm-hmm. a married woman with a child, but you're in a single mm-hmm. mother capacity because your husband, the father of your child, is in jail. And it's of no mm-hmm. use to your family structure as it is. And yep. I, I just felt in that passage, that tension, and possibly that anger that she still holds with him for doing what he did to get himself mm-hmm. in a position to be taken away from their family. And then just then leaving that all with her to deal with and having to deal with that son and all his hurt and the pain that he was going through as a child alone. Mm-hmm. And then for him to come out and still not accept the son and now he's dead. I just can't even imagine the, the level of her hurt and anger with Ike. But she does have a lot of forgiveness and understanding in her because this she she, she goes along like because it's her baby like she goes along with a lot of things yeah. for her baby yeah so like she's yeah but I mean there's also it's not just about being a single mother there's also the uh, just the play of what does your life mean as an ex con like are you ever not a convict because you know Mike's always struggling with. Um, what does he call it riot he's always struggling mm-hmm. with his alter ego riot yeah. buddy is always remembering the things for wherever buddy was yep. from and they and, and you know you're kind of always you're kind of always a criminal yeah 
Like there really is even, um, you know, Buddy Lee's this washed up drunk, you know, lives in a trailer or white trash kind of guy, you know, whatever. He's hopelessly still in love with his first wife. Yes. Um, but he's no real, not really any different than Ike who has pulled himself up and built a business and brought his family, you know, back from the brink and yeah. all of this. And they're still subject to the same prejudices for being criminals mm-hmm. or ex-criminals. Yeah. And they just can't shake that. Like that will haunt him for like, that just continues to haunt him even through to the end where like the cops don't believe them. You know, like cops like, I'm on to you, you know? Right. Like he's never, I mean, but it the doesn't cop was matter. Right. <laughs> and it, yeah, I know, but the cop doesn't have to be right. It's the point. Right. But I think the cop that didn't have knowing, to be right. But I think the cops not dummies. Like, they were your sons. Yeah. You, you probably did it. You know what yeah. I mean? It, yeah. So, yeah. And it was it was spectacular, the ending. Oh but um, just to circle back to the, the barbershop scene, when he's done talking to Slice, and he has had those reflections on... Um, listening to the old banter that he used to participate in yeah and he does step into this one guy's face for saying something you know horrendous he says if i snuck in your house one night and slit your son's throat i guarantee you the last thing you would be worrying about is if he was gay or not yep and i feel like that's the moment where things start to like click click into place yeah it is irrelevant um yeah. If you love your child, it is irrelevant. Uh, it is part of who your child is. And you would, yeah, you would rather have them here than They're hold not, on to that hate. That, that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So. God, I I love this book so much. I, I really, do, really do. I also really liked that bar scene where they go into the bar scene and that guy kind of keeps pressing up on him and on him being Ike and Ike kind of loses it. I wish I knew where that was. It's somewhere marked in here, but they go, they're going on a fact finding mission and they end up at a gay bar. Cause they're trying to find this girl named Tangerine. 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 Mm-hmm. And they don't, I guess they didn't realize they were going to a gay bar, but then they figured it out. And there was this guy, that Ike just, buddy. this guy that just kept, Oh yes, I know like trying to like buy him a drink. It's like one fifty one. He keeps trying to buy him a drink. He keeps touching on him. He keeps like getting all up in Ike's space. And Ike's like, "No, thank you. No, thank you. I'm fine. Okay. No, thank you." And Ike's response after he kind of gets all, you know, he starts to get violent, right? Starts to come out, and he says, "You tell somebody not to touch you. They ain't supposed to touch you." If I was inside and he did that, he'd end up staring up at the lights, bleeding like a stuck pig. Yep. But and I don't necessarily agree with the violence, but he's not wrong. There is no, a thing called no. consent. If leave I say alone. don't touch me, I don't want to drink, leave me the fuck alone. I don't care exactly in what scenario it is, like what tackle I got below between my legs or not. Like Exactly. Stop if harassing I say, me. Don't don't. Yeah. That's it. Period. And the fact that like nobody really I don't feel like anybody really sides with him on that. Yeah, but I don't, mm. and it might be because he got so violent, but like, I don't feel like anybody's like, you know what? You're right. He should have backed down. Maybe it's because it's and, men. Maybe. And it's a man writing it. Maybe this is where there's a difference between men and women. Yeah. I don't really know. Maybe it's because it's men. But like, because there's definitely times where I would like to punch, or I don't go anywhere now, where I would have liked to have punched somebody in oh, the for face sure. or whatever. For, for sure. Being a disgusting jerk at a bar or anywhere but yeah yeah (sighs) you know i really i actually really liked ike and buddy together i did too i I think they taught each other a lot of things i think they did too they they were learning from one another i love how they slowly opened up to one another i love Mm -hmm. how they slowly became friends Mm -hmm. and 
I was visioning them, you know, getting this revenge for their sons and them being, you know, you know, great grand old pop pops to their granddaughter together. That's what I was visioning as I was like reading the book. That's how I wanted the ending to be. You I wanted, wanted that to be the happy, yeah, fluffy I wanted, ending. I wanted them to be the pop Sorry. pops, you know, they're that riding off in the sunset Sorry, with their granddaughter. And then like that didn't happen. And that part broke me too. Because I I really liked, I thought that they were building a nice, solid friendship. And like, who else in the world would understand what you went through other than the person that went through the same thing? Yeah. And I I just, I I adored these two, these two fellas together. I really did. They were, they were fantastic together. They really, really, really were. And, and they're also just badasses. Like, the, the like fight scenes, can we just call them fight scenes? Yes, we can. We're like, we're like crazy. Like, yeah. Ike and Buddy can turn anything into a weapon, which just goes to show you literally anything is a weapon if you have the right oh, conviction. Yes. But like <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And it's because just of think of all the things you could do like, in a landscaping. Oh yeah. If you have landscaping equipment, you can do a lot of things. You can do so much. But they were so underestimated, right? You know, like mm-hmm. everyone's looking at them mm-hmm. like we don't have anything to worry about with these two old guys. Well, that's what that like gross guy, what the hell is his name? The gross guy, not Slice, the other one, Gatsby. Oh, what is Barry, his name? whatever his name is. It's yeah. not Barry. Um, I know who you're talking about. But like the like the guy who, Grayson? Grayson. No, 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 that's not him. That's the other butthole. The guy who like headed up the breed, the, the, yeah. the gang that was being manipulated uh, to do all the bidding for yeah. um, our, our bad guy. Yeah. Um, our real bad guy. He kept being like, he and his crew just kept being like, I can't believe these two old men. What up you again? Fucking us up. <laughs> like, yep. And they do. They just keep fucking things up. Like every time they, inter- like, like they mm-hmm. come together. Cause they have several times that they encounter each other. Oh yeah. Every time they encounter each other, these two old men just beat the shit out of them and hightail it out of there. Um, that was the other part that I loved about this book was the bike club portion of it. <laughs> yes, I knew you'd like that. I was like, oh, you know. But they were like a pack of stupid bike. Like, I mean. I just feel like they were they were like a ragtag bunch of motorcyclists that felt like they were hard and tough, but really weren't. They were some, I mean, they were, there were an outlaw bike, bike group, but you know, whatever. They, uh but yeah. I don't feel like they were as hard in practice as they thought they were in Because they're in, not like, OGs theory. like Ike and Buddy. Ike and Buddy <laughs> were OGs. You little young cats thought you were going to do something. These old men they were like, we have, have guns. decades of kicking ass on you. <laughs> they're like, we have guns. And then they're like, well, I have... Lot equipment. I have a lot of equipment. <laughs> and a small knife. And I will fuck you that's up. That's right. Because that's what an OG can do. Yeah. So, I like, but I and thought I that went to funny. prison. So right? I know some things. Exactly. So they had nothing on Ike and Buddy, which nothing I really got him. a kick of. You know what I mean? Because it just showed like, okay, don't even put age in this as a thing. It mm-hmm. means nothing except I've got more years of experience on you. Yeah. 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 Well, And they've also been around the block just in general through their own life experiences yeah. um, and surviving through more hardship. They didn't. Oh, yeah take on a um, persona of hardness to be part of some crew. Like they, that's what they did to survive. They got through, cause like, what is it? Buddy went to like Red Onion. I don't know what Red yeah. Onion is. Some, some somewhere like bad. crazy, somewhere very bad yes. and very scarring. And, you know, Ike in his riot life sounds like he was. It sounded like he did some, he did really some questionable things. things. Meanwhile, also, this bike club's being bankrolled by some politician since, to carry, yeah. excuse me, to carry out his dirty tricks. So it's a little bit yeah. different. Yeah, I just I just flipped to a random page and I have underlined from Buddy Lee. I'm gonna cut your dick off and make you eat it. <laughs> Welcome, folks. Welcome to Razor Blade. Welcome Tears. to Razor Tears. Oh man, look if you're someone who doesn't like. Um, a lot of gritty violence. Just know there's a lot of that in, in this book. But none of it feels gratuitous. You know what I mean? None of it feels gratuitous. It all feels perfectly aligned with the story and their mission to get Because they're not going... Back. 
they're not just doing it's not like a tarantino film it's not just right. violence to like i don't really like tarantino films because half the time i'm like I all do. right i get it i love tarantino but that's a story for another day <laughs> i'm like i get it all right can we move on um but no it's, it's more chop, it, like, chop kill kill slice slice I it's it's that's the way I feel about books where all it is is just yeah. fucking fucking all the time. Like at some point I need We're talking to you, you dinner vipers. Oh no, there's a worse one. I I found it more annoying than Den of Vipers. Because Den of Vipers actually attempted to have a plot and make it more than five percent of the story. Uh A Lady of Rook's Grave Manor, which I read, it's a monster. I know the book. Yeah, so that is basically just 300 pages of of just weird monster sex and it just doesn't stop and they, yes there is a plot there's something happening but it's like they as soon as she, there's like a few sentences that introduce a, like a new little nugget of plot and then it's just back to weird sex for like pages and pages and pages okay to the all point right. where like i was legitimately bored i was like i get it all right okay La la la. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Razor Blade Tears is not that. You will not get bored not with that. the violence. It doesn't feel like it's just there for show or whatever. Like mm-hmm. everything feels like it's in the right place at the right moment. I will say that. I do like this. I'm just randomly reading out quotes because this is how my brain works. But I'm on 285 and Tangerine, when they finally find her, they're talking to Tangerine and they gain her trust. She, she asks, revenge? And Ike smiled ruefully. No, hate. Folks like to talk about revenge like it's a righteous thing, oh, line, but it's yeah. just hate in a nicer suit. Like, he's not, he's not, he hates the men who killed his son. Yeah. And as he should be. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It that is, was, it that is, was actually it's not about vengeance. Yeah. It is. Yeah, that's a lot of really good one-liners in here. There's also some language I didn't know we were, people even said anymore. There was one word in here that I asked you about, and I was like, Naomi, do you know what this is? Is this a racial slur? I don't want to Google this. And then, because I had never heard it before, and you had actually never heard it before. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, no, okay, that's a new one. All right, we've got new ones. And then there's a nice old one on 287, which I haven't heard in a long time. Let's see what that one is. Lovely Grayson says something lovely to somebody. Ike oh. says, I want to talk to the man in charge. And Grayson almost goffed at making you making demands on me. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's an that's, oldie. That's reaching back and pulling one out just for just for good old fun. It literally says, do people really still say this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They reach back to yes. that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, but it's crazy. Like, there's... there's um, Actually, like then on like 289, the language gets like really, really, really disgusting near the end. Um, listen to me, you damn savage. Uh, I won't have Grayson slit that mongrel's throat. Like just yeah. calling people just absolutely disgusting, disgusting, debasing things. And it's just, it's, it's just so hard to stomach the fact that this is not off from reality other than the fact that there's probably not so many people in crazy motorcycle gangs doing this but who knows because because when they're backed by politicians who knows i like to think that i live first of all i live in the fine state of new york where it is blue and liberal and i'm not saying that we don't have our problems i'm just saying that they're different and yes 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 we have different problems up here what did you think about Christine? Like, obviously. Oh, the wife? Yeah, the ex-wife? Buddy's ex-wife. Obviously, Buddy Lee was still very much in love with her. I don't think that he really wanted to be. I think he just he just really loved her. And he just couldn't help it. But he was also angry with her. But she sounds like an awful person. I was trying to understand. I guess she just wanted a better life. And she wanted not to struggle. And all that good stuff. But even when that news came out about what her husband did... Mm-hmm. She was more focused on who's Tangerine. Yeah, it, lady, did did you not hear? Did did you miss something? This is more she, than about the woman he's screwing. Yeah, this man. I don't want to give it away, but like, come on. 
He's not a nice man. But she knows, like, first of all, she knows her husband's screwing somebody. She says that, like, way in the beginning. She's talking about, you know, some party he's having and how. And, like, I kind of clocked some things. I have a little sticky note where I, I feel like I kind of knew yeah. somebody was involved. But it was just, I was along for the journey. And to get everything to fall into piece, I wanted to see all the pieces fall together. That's what I wanted to say. But, like, she does make reference to it. She's like, all these people are here, like, lauding him and clapping for him. And and he's making, you know, he's trying to get voted in for some position mm-hmm. and all under the presumption that he's trying to do good. Meanwhile, he's screwing somebody else, yep. yada, yada, yada. And she knows all of this. Yeah, She knows that he's a bad person. She knows that it's all this. But I think for her, it's just about her pride. Like, it wounds her pride to have her husband cheating on her so publicly and then to find out who the person is that she he's cheating on her with mm-hmm. and also she just wants to have the good life she wants and she doesn't want anything to interfere with that she doesn't want to lose that position so there's blinders on yeah because it doesn't sound like she likes her husband very much no it doesn't it really doesn't. Like, it, at all. It sounds like she's still quite fond of Buddy Lee. Yes. But she definitely married for position and money. Yeah. The second so, time around. Which is a very Southern thing to do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I really think Buddy should have been with that nice little lady neighbor he had. Oh, was I it, know. What was her name? She, she was, was so lovely. sweet. Checking on him. Yeah. Making him meals. That was kind of sad. Being like, why is your granddaughter sitting on the ground? Get her ass up off the yeah. ground. Yeah. That's a nice lady. She was a nice lady. I wanted, I wanted some Like, she was a real person. Right. I was like, look, she's a real person. But, I mean, you do want him to have happiness. Because, yeah. at the end of the day, he is a good person. And he deserves some good some happiness and you know like i got to turn his life around i got to keep maya i got to have the granddaughter i get well, to maya really yeah it's you all know. maya's doing for that stuff but he yeah. came out and and for whatever sins he had before he went to prison when he came out you can feel like he was really trying to atone on for most of them in some way and to build a life for his family so that he doesn't have to go back to being riot Absolutely. and to being part of the gang and I think there is a nice discussion in there about why would anybody turn to a gang kind of life? And it's, you know, when you're trying to struggle and make a life for yourself, at, you know, at the bottoms of the society and you're not getting any safety or security, yeah. you make your own safety and security. Right. And that can become something that's not lawful. I'm trying to pick the right word. Mm-hmm. It can take a... It can take twists and turns, but like you're still a family. Like people need people and people need people to protect them. And it can get twisted and it can be lovely. It can be lots of things. And life can be all kinds of different paths in life. But the impetus is you want to have a community and you want to have protection and you want to feel safe and you want to belong. Right. Yeah. Also, there's like two perceptions of like a gang. Right. You know outsiders look at a particular neighborhood with gangs and it's so terrifying to them but you have to understand Mm -hmm. sometimes when you have were born and raised in that community with these gangs they're just like regular people that just formed a club so you're not looking at them with terror you're looking at them maybe as like the cool guys guys you want to be friends with and so it's a different like the levels of fear are different you're not really scared of them because these are guys you grew up with and you Maybe yeah. you have always wanted to be a part of their clique, you know? Yeah. So that's different from what somebody on the outside sees. Yes. And so yes. there's a very big distinction between whether you're on the inside versus the outside as it pertains to, like, a gang. But then there's the whole discussion of, like, what's a valid gang and what's not a valid gang? Like, like the breeders are validated by being the toys and the puppets of the politicians. Like, it's fine to be that gang. But then, you know, Slice and... Uh, his brother and Riot right. and all of them are in a very different kind of gang that is villainized. Right. And how are they any different? They're not. They're the exactly. same thing. It's just, you know, one's got some white dudes in it. So therefore, Although, it's fine. Dare I say, <laughs> the gang that's being propped up and funded by the politician is the one in the most precarious situation. Mm-hmm. Because now you've got somebody in this high level of power who can really break you and bring you down in a way mm-hmm. that the other gang doesn't have to worry about. 
Oh, yeah, because, I mean, our little politician is not, um, he does not, uh, he's not uh, trying to hide the fact that he can bury people. Exactly. And he will, and he don't care. Exactly. Like, he's going to cut cut ties where he needs to cut ties. Exactly. And as he needs to cut them. <laughs> he was a horrible person. He was a horrible person. A horrible person. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I, you know, I... So this is the second book that I read by. This is his second book, right? Because Black, I think so. Black Child, which I, I, I believe was a debut. He either has two or three books, and I can't remember. He's got oh, my darkest prayer. I don't know what that is. So there is another book. Okay. So I've only read Black Child Wasteland. I read it in January of 2021, and I love that as well. But I am so excited about this author. I really yes. enjoy his writing. I think he's got a real amazing way to spin language to be very raw and readable and relatable and also like poignant yes. and thought provoking, which I think are the same word, but said differently. But anyway, yes. Like. yes. Also, let me give a major shout out to the narrator of this audiobook. Oh, yes. I mean, he was phenomenal. I like to interview that guy. He was really good. He brought the story he really brought to it to life. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was good. It was good. We're going to try was, not to spoil everything, but that was a fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Read. That was our so. December 2021 20, pick Razor Blade Tears by S.A. Cosby. Join us for January for that pick of uh, The Cabinet by what's yes. it? Unsun Kim? Unsun let me let me Go read to our it to website, you. Go to our website tbrlowdown to get the full synopsis and all that good stuff. Unsu Kim. Unsu Kim. Unsu Kim. And it's a weird little story. I hope it's a weird little story. We haven't started it yet. We're going to start it closer to the yeah. end of the month. So it's fresh for yes. our live discussion because we're going to go back to live discussions, guys, yes. for the year of 2022 if you missed our mini announcement episode. Um, but yeah. So do you want to, do we want to move to our new closeout of? Yes, we're uh, going to book, be. you want to give me one book recommendation? Yeah, we're going to be doing uh, book recommendations at the end of every show now. Just because we want you all to fill up Read your, more books. That's right. Read more books. So I am going to recommend Sula by Toni Morrison. This, Ooh. This was the second Toni Morrison I ever read. I think the first one I read was Beloved. But Sula, ma'am, this one, um, this one knocked me off my feet. Let me read a little bit of the synopsis. At its center, a friendship between two women. A friendship whose intensity first sustains then injures. Sula and Nell, both black, both smart, both poor, raised in a small Ohio town, meet when they are 12, wishbone thin and dreaming of princes. Through their girlhood years, they share everything, perceptions, judgments, yearning, secrets, even crime, until Sula gets out. Out of the bottom, the hilltop neighborhood where beneath the sporting life of the men hanging around the place in head rags and soft felt hates, their hides of fierce resentment at failed crops, lost jobs, thieving insurance men, bug-written flower, at the invisible line that cannot be overstepped. This is a phenomenal read. I recommend everyone read Sula by Toni Morrison. It's a classic. Read it. Yes, I need to read it. Oh, and also, also yelling the, at myself. It was the 1993 Nobel Prize in Literature. Um, I was not prepared for this, so I just stared at my shelves until we started recording and picked out <laughs> um, Guantanamo Voices, Ooh. which is actually, uh, it's a graphic novel, and it is, each chapter is sort of a different interview with somebody who is related to Guantanamo Bay um, and the prison. Um, there are, you know, prisoners there are caretakers there are politicians there are reporters and these are all based on actual interviews with um these real people and i think every chapter is also by a different artist so the artwork changes throughout and it's absolutely powerful and moving Mm. and definitely a must read for people that uh, have forgotten that this actually still is a thing yes, <laughs> like there are still people there yep uh it came out i believe last year uh i had it as an e-arc um and then i went and picked myself up a beautiful hard copy and it is gorgeous and it is definitely um 
it, it read it like it is it is it is important it's beautiful show me some art it's really really beautiful and i mean it's it's just crazy that this wow. exists and did exist and continues to exist um and you get a lot of different perspectives throughout um the book so it's 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 a great little project um and i wish i saw it more so yeah read it <laughs> i love it i love it wow all right well i enjoyed this discussion of razor blades here too. i'm very glad we chose it as our last book of the year me too yeah i am so anyway that's gonna do it for us we are getting out of here folks until next time bye, bye. well we've come to the end of the show thanks so much for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode we kindly ask that you go to apple podcast and subscribe to our show and leave a review that would help us out tremendously. Don't forget to follow TBR Lowdown on Instagram at TBR Lowdown and visit our website for show notes, the link to join our Discord book club, and other information at tbrlowdown.com. You can follow me, Naomi, on Instagram at BookLadyReads and follow Alyssa on Instagram at NerdyNurseReads. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Until next time. <laughs>